Hmm. Time really is a flat circle, isn't it? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, we are looking over a quick glance at the Chargers and Packers game from yesterday. That Packers victory that is certainly the talk of the town right now. So before I get to that, there are a few updates that actually occurred today for the Packers. One being a, a very, very long injury report, which we'll talk about a little bit. And then also some transactions that occurred. Yes, specifically, mostly at the running back position, which I think we all felt like we knew was going to happen before we get to Thursday and the game against the Lions. So just a quick programming note, tomorrow is going to be the game preview against the Lions. Wednesday, I'm I'm hoping to find some time to go live. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to. And then Thursday, no watch party this Thursday. Even Vince Lombardi put family before the Green Bay Packers. And that's what I'm going to be doing as we host Thanksgiving. And I'll have everyone here. So no watch party on Thursday. Friday, be on the lookout sometime for some sort of reaction from Packers and Lions. So let's get to that injury report. It's long. I'm just warning you now. In terms of the limited participants for practice today, that would be Jair Alexander, Corey Ballantyne, Kenny Clark, A.J. Dillon, Rudy Ford, Rashawn Gary, Elton Jenkins, Keyshawn Nixon, Darnell Savage, and Christian Watson. Now, few things here. One, this is a hypothetical practice report because there's a game on Thursday. Yes, but the players didn't exactly do a full-on practice today. So that means that the teams have to put some kind of estimation forward as to if there were practice today, this is what would have occurred. So Jair, basically expected, right? Ballantyne, he's new, but at least he's limited, Not did not practice. Kenny Clark's still dealing with his shoulder. A.J. Dillon with his groin, that's new. And then you also have Keyshawn Nixon with an ankle. That's new. And then you may have also heard me list Darnell Savage because I'm going to be getting to him in just a little bit in the transaction portion. In terms of the projected did not practices today, that's also a longer list than you want. That's Devondre Campbell with a neck injury, Josiah DeGuara with a hip injury, of course, Aaron Jones, but then also Luke Musgrave with an abdomen injury, and then Dontavian Wicks. It, it was very missed in the game yesterday, but towards the very end of the game, Dontavian Wicks is believed to have suffered a concussion. And if that's actually true, if he truly, truly got a concussion and is in concussion protocol, the chances of him playing Thursday are very close to nil. But it has not been officially confirmed by the team yet that it was a full-blown concussion that put him into protocol. Maybe this is like a Christian Watson situation of a couple weeks ago. We ultimately just don't know yet. And then also, not surprisingly, on the did not practice list was Emmanuel Wilson with his shoulder injury. And I still have yet to see really anything out there at all about what the injury was exactly for Wilson. So you play a Sunday game. You get a big win, a win that not a lot of people expected you to get. And then on Thursday, four short days away, you've got the best team in your division, nationally televised Thanksgiving game, a team that already whooped on you once this year, and you have that list of your injuries. To say that that's less than ideal is a vast, vast understatement. 
So hopefully uh, a lot of these injuries are of the bump and bruise variety. We know how conservative the Packers medical staff is. We know how at times how the Packers medical staff even, uh, let's say, over reports as opposed to under reports like we see other teams do, namely like the Bengals. So things to keep in mind here. These could have been just a lot of bumps and bruises, um, but ultimately we just don't know. So let's talk transactions because there were several today. One, the Packers signed Patrick Taylor off of the Patriots practice squad. Yes, you may recall after he was released earlier this season, he opted not to come back to the Packers practice squad since they had used up all of his salvations. And instead he went to the Patriots practice squad. Well, Come on back, Patrick, because everyone's hurt and we need you. So he is back officially on the 53-man roster. In order to create room for him, they released special teams ace Dallin Levitt. So Dallin Levitt, who really filled one function on this roster to be a special teams ace, is gone. He had a key holding penalty yesterday, then got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty lumped on top of that. He's had a few other penalties this year. He just... Hasn't been very special teams ace-like. No matter how much Passaccia loves him, no matter how reliable he may be, it wasn't good. So Dallin Levitt has found himself now unemployed as the Green Bay Packers release him. Then they also made some practice squad moves. James Robinson, the running back, is back. He was released off the practice squad a couple weeks ago. Now with all the injuries, he's coming back to We're having a running back reunion. So he's back on the practice squad. He can be elevated for Thursday if the Packers elect to do so. And then released from the practice squad was Christian Young, a linebacker. One last move, Darnell Savage has been uh, declared open on IR, basically meaning that they are opening his practice window, that they have 21 days to now reinstate him on the 53-man roster. And I got to tell you, based upon some of the safety play yesterday, I know Darnell Savage is not the best safety in the world, but it would be nice to have a steady presence back there again. So hopefully he can be back sooner rather than later. And also it is telling that they did you know, move to activate him and then give him a limited practice projection today. Now they did not practice. So that does bode at least in the right direction. Next, let's take a look at our four keys for the game. I declared four keys that the Packers must accomplish in order to beat the Los Angeles Chargers. And did they do it? Kinda. Let's go through them quick. Number one was let love sling it, especially to these young playmakers. Did they do that? Oh, you betcha. We're going to be talking about that in shout outs. Number two, swarm. I knew that the defense was going to be playing far back, but they needed to step up and actually stop the plays as they developed. Did they do that? Kinda. The Packers still had 12 missed tackles as a team yesterday, which is concerning to say the least. Most other games that the team have won this year has been single digit missed tackles. And then of course they had a season high 16 against Pittsburgh, but 12 missed tackles still higher than you want it to be. But there were a number of plays where they did step up and stop a play in its in its progress. So that's good. And overall, they did a good job on Austin Eckler. So let's give them a kind of. Number three was protect, protect, protect. Obviously, there was fear against Sebastian Joseph Day, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, some very, very accomplished pass rushers for the Chargers. And the Packers offensive line gave up 13 pressures and two sacks. All in all, Really not that bad against what it could have been. And that's with Joey Bosa, you know, full transparency. He left in basically the first quarter of the game. So that had an impact on this. But overall, Jordan Love was allowed to operate and stay upright. So let's give him a kind on that one. And then number four, win the field position battle. Because I felt like if the Packers like frequently give the Chargers good field position, 
that the Chargers will capitalize. I wasn't planning on the drop on the drops from the Chargers. So the Packers ultimately did not win the field position battle. Each team had 10 starting drives that actually were run through to some kind of ending. So I didn't count the one at the very end of the game for the victory formation. I didn't count the one at the end of the half of the charge. Each team had 10 that were actually allowed to go through fruition. And the Packers had an average starting field position of their own 24-yard line, while the Chargers had their own 27-yard line. So at the very least, they were able to keep it close. All right. Now let's get to shout outs and get outs. Uh, I've got four shout outs for you today and only three get outs. It's, it's so nice and it's been so rare this year to have more shout outs and get outs. So let's get to it. Number one, number one shout out goes to QB 10, QB one, the man himself, Jordan Love. Let's just start here. It's the first passing performance for Green Bay to go over 300 yards passing in like two years. Uh, yeah, I, I know that that stat's been talked about a bunch, but it's really something that gives you an idea of how the passing attack was last year, even with a different dude under the center. So now 300 yards has officially been eclipsed. That is off the Packers back. Kudos to Jordan Love for doing that. But beyond that, he was nominated for the FedEx Air Player of the Week, one of three QBs who are in the running 40s with Tua and Brock Purdy. So that's something to keep in mind. And then even beyond that, over the last three weeks, Jordan Love has thrown for 838 yards, five touchdowns, and a QB rating of 96.3. But even beyond that, over the last four weeks on deep balls alone, Jordan Love ranks a second in completion percentage, third in total yards, and second in QB rating, according to Jacob Morley of the Packer Report. For a quarterback who the largest ding we can say on him is accuracy, specifically in the deep ball realm, those are some highly encouraging stats. But the thing is, take away all the numbers. Like, let's get rid of the analytics and let's just watch him play. He's passing the eye test right now. And that is what's incredibly cool. He looks like, as the QB school would say, that he's throwing most of the time from a solid base. The simple things look like they're becoming more simple and the tough stuff is beginning to look normal. And the, the freakish, like what just happened plays are becoming less frequent. Yes, the protection around him has gotten better. The wide receiver play has gotten substantially better. And Love is looking the part with them. If this continues, it is your long-term starter. And look, I know. Well, he did it against the league's 32nd ranked pass defense. You told us that. Yeah, I know. He still did it. He threw for 200, 322 yards. They were averaging giving up 291. So he even exceeded what they were giving up on a per-game basis. And you know what? They played the team that was on their schedule. He did well. We can stop it there. Now, as for shout-out number two, I actually got to give it to the opposing team, the Los Angeles Chargers. All season long, the Green Bay Packers have handed other teams opportunities through drops, lack of execution, penalties. And yesterday, they still had their fair share. Don't get me wrong. But for once, they went against a team that seemed to shoot themselves in the foot even more than the Packers did. He drops by Keenan Allen. That cost him at least one touchdown. Quentin Johnston had that huge, what probably would have been a 50-yard touchdown, and he got a case of the drops. So this is nice to see it happens to other teams too. And overall, I got to say, the Packers don't need to and shouldn't apologize for this win. Good teams play who's on their schedule. And mistakes from both teams are inevitable in every single game. Good teams capitalize. And yesterday, the Packers capitalized on the Chargers' mistakes more than the Chargers were able to capitalize on the Packers' mistakes. Good teams do that. 
and the baby Packers are learning how to be a good team. Now sitting with a four and six record. Number three, the youth movement. Reed, Kraft, Musgrave, Wicks, Watson, Dobbs. Holy crap, they all did something to contribute to this game. And what's incredibly cool is each one of them is beginning to find their identity in this offense, consuming a different and unique role from each one of their counterparts. Let's look at Dontavian Wicks, quite possibly the best route runner of the group. He's become incredibly adept at just sitting in a zone, knowing where the QB needs him to be. Reed, your slot gadget, the overall playmaker, the X factor, whatever you want to label him, use him in a variety of ways because he's showing you that he can handle all the different responsibilities, including being a blocker. Romeo Dobbs, the tough guy, the guy with the strong hands who makes the contested catches, something the Packers have needed. Romeo Dobbs continues to do that. Watson, your speed to stretch the defense, who actually made a couple not deep catches yesterday. That was good to see. Musgrave, the guy in the seam. Kraft, maybe he's got a future as your yak tight end because that one play that ultimately was called back because he stepped on the boundary, but holy buckets, that was great to see. Also, also, Luke Musgrave, take note of your positional counterpart because when Kraft didn't actually score a touchdown, but everyone thought he scored a touchdown, my Lord, the joy from the Kraft cheese man jumping in and doing that Lambo leap, whereas Luke Musgrave chose not to do a Lambo leap a couple weeks ago. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Musgrave, join your fellow children. Go play. Have fun. You are a Green Bay Packer. Might as well enjoy it. So all of those guys, even outside of their career potential, these are the roles that they're filling right now. Now, going against Detroit is going to be a bigger test. Going against Kansas City, going to be a bigger test. No doubt about it. But still, you see the makings of what they are becoming. Shout-out number four, the final shout-out, goes to Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine. Valentine was a day three pick. Valentine was a fringe roster, dude. He hasn't even been on the 53 all year. And yet, here they are, starting a game against Justin Herbert and one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. Together, they held, uh, they were targeted 12 times, gave up four completions for 39 yards. Incredible play from two very competent young corners. No, no Jair, no Stokes. Brazil's gone. Who are we turning to? Cornerbacks four and five? Maybe four and six? I didn't even list Nixon. Maybe five and six? And yet, they're putting up coverage stats like that against Herbert and company? That's legitimate play. I'm incredibly excited for the future of Carrington Valentine. And Corey Valentine, not a bad counterpart for now either. And you know what? Joe Barry finds himself on the get-outs this week. I'm going to get to him in just one quick second. But he does deserve credit, right? Like, I know he's not the secondary coach, but there's not many teams across the league where this much injury can happen on a secondary and it still performs the way that it does. Yeah, there were mistakes, but I mean, some credit where it's due. All right, now let's talk about the negative with Joe Barry, right? The defense was bailed out by those drops, like several times. And realistically, if a couple of those are caught, the Green Bay Packers very well might lose this game. But they did get stops when they needed to, okay? The drops bailed them out. Like, look at the first quarter where Donald Parham Jr. is wide open. I mean, no one is even within 10 yards of the guy as he is in the dead middle of a zone, right? And it just hit him right here, and it fell right out. I get playing a far back zone against the Chargers. You got to keep everything in front of you. They're a volatile pass attack. 
but that doesn't mean that the amount of easy charger completion should be as high as it was, especially across the middle. Zone is supposed to cover that kind of thing. And yet it happened repeatedly where it didn't. It felt like a lot of the defensive success yesterday was because of individual play, not necessarily the scheme that they were playing in. Kenny Clark getting six pressures, Rashawn Gary, the large sack at the end of the game, even some of the coverage stops didn't necessarily feel like, oh, that was a really cool scheme to play. They were put in position to make the play. No, it felt like uber talented dudes who were just doing what they do. So I just, I, we're going to go back to Joe Barry. He may not lose you that many games, but he's also probably never going to win you one either. And it's tough to say that the defense won this game yesterday for the Chargers, and they could have. Number two, and this one pains me. This one hurts. Anders Carlson. Something's going on with Anders because earlier in the year, he seemed pretty rock steady. And then last week, it was the kickoffs went far left. And one even wound up bouncing out of bounds for an illegal procedure. Well, then this week, he misses a 52-yard attempt. Yeah, 52 is long. I get it. But he certainly has the leg to do it. But he kicked it. Directionally incorrect. <laughs> so he's gone from being one of the steadiest performers on the team to now being a little bit more of a question mark. And I just have to wonder, he went to Auburn for college. Is the cold weather going to affect him? We've seen this with others, right? J.K. Scott was a great punter through week 10. And then not a great punter for the rest of the season. It's part of the reason they moved on to Bojo Bomb after him and then have continued to try to find a guy that can punt in cold weather. And now finally, maybe the Irishman can do it in Dan Whelan. Is kicker now a little bit of a question? And I believe in Anders Carlson. Go back to the training camp videos. I was telling him, be patient. We don't need to bring Mason back. They believe in him for a reason. And he's shown why to this point. But. It is concerning that directionally he seems to be regressing as the temps are coming down, not getting better this year. So the question at least has to be raised. It's something to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. And then number three, get out number three. Also kind of rough. Uh, this is Jonathan Owens. This was a performance to forget for the safety formerly of Houston, now in Green Bay. He did log six tackles. But he also made a bafflingly horrible tackle attempt on Stone Smart of the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, it was a 51-yard touchdown, and, and Smart was wide open to get the pass. Like, that's not Owens' fault. But then when Owens had the opportunity to stop Smart, Owens reached out his arms and then did not a whole lot else. There was not really any body momentum that was carrying him through into a tackle or really anything at all. He just kind of reached out his arms and then ran behind Smart into the end zone. I mean, he was targeted in the game yesterday four times, gave up 56 yards and a touchdown. That's a perfect quarterback rating for Justin Herbert when targeting Jonathan Owens of 158.3. Perfect, in other words. Owens' whole strength, his whole deal, is last year he was a top 20 tackling safety in the NFL. And the Packers need better tackling. So if you're going to trot out Owens, right, the one thing that you should be able to count on is even if we put him 40 yards back, put him 30 yards back, I don't care. Let Joe Barry be Joe Barry and put him across the field. The one thing you should be able to count on is that when a play comes to him, he can stop it in its tracks without getting bowled over and run through. It's supposed to be the entire strength of his game. If he can't even do that, 
then what are we doing with him? The coverage stuff, yeah, you kind of expect it. He's always been poor at coverage his entire career. And certainly wasn't Houston last year. But tackling and making an effort to tackle, stopping a play in progress, that's what he's supposed to be good at. And it's concerning that yesterday, that's not what occurred. So overall, a fantastic win for the Green Bay Packers. And as I said in the intro, time is a flat circle, right? Last year in this exact same week, to get to four and six, they had an improbable victory against the Dallas Cowboys. Now they pulled one out against the Chargers. Then last year, they lost their next two. Now up top, we got Detroit and Kansas City. Detroit may be the single biggest and most important test of the year for the Green Bay Packers. And I'm going to say this too. They do not, in order for the Detroit game to be successful for the baby Packers, they don't necessarily have to win, but they do have to perform a heck of a lot better than the first time that they faced Detroit this year. This is going to show, coming off of a three-game stretch against, let's call them, weaker opponents in the NFL spectrum, this is a great test to see, are the baby Packers truly making progress to being a good team, or have they just figured out how to beat bad ones? We will begin to find out on Thursday, and then certainly about two weeks from now, we'll find out against Kansas City. Thank you so much for tuning in to Lombardi Time Brews. As I said, I'll be back tomorrow with the game preview against Detroit. And then maybe, maybe I got a ton to do on Wednesday, but maybe we can fit in a, a live Q&A on Wednesday as well. At the very least, everyone, if I don't see you again, I hope you have an absolutely incredible Thanksgiving. If Whether it's by yourself, whether it's with family, or maybe just loved ones. I hope you get whatever you need this holiday season. And I hope even in your circumstance, whether they're good or bad, I hope you find a little something to be thankful for and feel just a little bit of love. Thanks, everybody. Go hug a, lo go hug a loved one. My goodness gracious, it's time to go. Thank you for being here on Lombardi Time Brews. And as always, go Pack Go.